Hello, everybody. This is Keith with the Short Disc Podcast. Just want to take a quick few seconds here to let you guys know that, you know, every episode we always having fun, funny, funny conversations, funny topics that we'll discuss. Episode 92 is really not that episode. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up. This is a very serious topics that we cover. Um, maybe a little bit uncomfortable for a few people, and that's okay. That's what we do. We have uncomfortable conversations. So if you're looking for the episode where it's going to be funny, laughing, even the top 10, this won't be that episode. But if you want to stay tuned to some engaging conversation and listen to three different views, three different um point of views and um, experiences, then this will be the episode for you. Let's start the show. You didn't give us no warning, no nothing, just, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Understand, understand. We are your host, John, Steph, Keith. We about to jump into this podcast, baby, but first, let's find out, hey, everybody, the week has been going. John, what's going on with you this week, man? How you doing today? I'm good, man. Um... I had a four day week. I had just uh, taken Friday off. So, okay. Do anything yeah. special? Not nothing in particular. I um, I was telling Steph before the show. I uh, instead of just doing a normal walk, I guess yesterday I said, let me just up the ante and grab a couple of dumbbells, like fifteen pound dumbbells, and walk around my neighborhood. And I was making uh, some unmasculine noises. Towards the middle of my walk. Oh, my God. Because uh, my uh, hands and my shoulders were burning uh, pretty bad. And it got to the point where uh, I was just making this weird, like, ah, noises or what. <laughs> that you should have recorded for us. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was my walk. It was a nice walk, though. It was beautiful weather. And then uh, later on that evening, my wife and daughter and I went out to dinner uh, at this pizza place in downtown Lakeland. Called, How was that? Uh, it was great. Palace okay. Pizza. It's uh, some of the best pizza I've had in mm. this in this area. Okay. And then afterwards, uh, we had scouted out this restaurant that um, my wife wanted to go to, but she decided not to. It's called Fresco's. Fresco's Southern Kitchen. Mm. And... What alerted her to it, because she loves milkshakes and uh, specifically mm-hmm. Oreo milkshakes. And there was one called Oreo OMG milkshake. And we didn't know what the price was when we got there. So after we finished up the pizza, um, my wife and my daughter ordered this Oreo OMG milkshake. 
Found out it was twelve dollars a piece. Oh, for a milkshake? For a milkshake. For a milkshake. Well, there are places here that, that charge about that much for some milkshakes and they're huge. I'm not finished though. The reason why it was twelve dollars is the presentation was just uh up there with like Disney World. So this milkshake, not only did it come, you know, you get your base milkshake, but then over the rim of the glass, they had this thing, this cookie. Of course, it was like a chocolate cake cookie with cream filling in the middle. It engulfed the rim of the milkshake glass. <laughs> they took a large straw and punctured the, the uh, that cookie. Well, they penetrated the cookie so that you can get to the actual milkshake to the bottom of the glass. Then they put a mountain of whipped cream on top of it, sprinkled some Oreo uh, cookie dust or whatever the heck you want to call it on top of the whipped cream. Then they took two whole Oreo cookies and smashed them into the mountain of whipped cream. My goodness. Then they took a cube of brownie, smashed that into the mountain of whipped cream. Bruh, this is one milkshake? This yeah. is one milkshake. And honestly, I tell you, I kid you not, that thing was 12 to 15 inches high. We were not expecting it to be that big. And my wife came out. She started doing this little clapping thing. That means she was very excited. And my <laughs> my daughter was, uh, yeah, she was in absolute euphoria. She's like, best day ever in her voice. And I just sat there and ate my potato wedges. Wow. You Did don't like finish? milkshakes? Uh, I, I, I felt if I were to eat that milkshake, cause afterwards she went, there was a, uh, festival or something going on. I think every first Friday, Lake, the city of Lakeland, uh, has a whole bunch of different, uh, business vendors basically promoting their business to people who don't know about it. And she wanted to walk and see what was out there. So I knew more than likely if I were to consume that milkshake. I was going to be in uh, gastrointestinal hell, and I was going to have to find my way to the nearest um, laboratory. So I decided against uh, having one of those delicious um, milkshakes. Instead, I opted to take uh, to go peanut butter and chocolate uh, cake, uh, to which um, I didn't even know they had cake until my wife made reference to it. There was a a waiter or waitress dropping off a piece of cake to someone else's table. So I said, oh, they have a display case full of cake. So I went over there and I saw peanut butter and chocolate. I said, oh, well, let me ask some questions about that because the actual cake portion of it, it looked a little bit off to me. I didn't know if it was like banana, a chocolate type of cake. So I just wanted to make certain what type of cake it was. So I tried to ask my waitress who had RBF face the entire time it seemed like. Oh. And I, I noticed that. And after she had dropped off the milkshakes, I raised my hand. I said, hey, I have a question. And then I looked at her face as if she was annoyed that I was getting ready to ask a question. And then I immediately said, are you OK? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm OK. I said, OK, I have a question about the chocolate peanut butter cake I see in the display case. Uh, what type of cake is it made out of? Oh, I don't know. Uh, the people who make the who bake those cakes, that's their entire thing. So I guess they operate in, in separate silos within this restaurant, even though it's in the damn restaurant. So that completely befuddled me. Mm-hmm. So and then she just walked off. 
And so then I, I, I assume a uh, gentleman in a black polo uh, with the branding of the uh, restaurant came up and I assumed that was the manager. It's like, hey, is everything all right? I was like, yeah, everything's good. I just had a question that your waitress couldn't answer for whatever reason. I just had a question about that chocolate peanut butter cake and wanted to know what type of cake this was about. And I'm sorry this is going on so long, but um, it really pissed me off at, the, at this particular time. Mm-hmm. So he, I got the answer I wanted. He basically said it was made with yellow cake. And I basically said, fire that son of a bitch up, throw it at my head. <laughs> Did they finish the milkshakes? Did they, Were they able to finish? They them? finished the milkshake, but not the actual, um, mm-hmm. the cookie thing that I just mentioned before that basically engulfed the rim of the uh, milkshake uh, okay. uh, glass that it came in. So we took those to go along with the okay. cake. Okay. That was wow. my Friday. Yeah. I was only at, because I wasn't, uh, we have a spot here called The Yard. It's a milkshake bar. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even drink half of my milkshake. Not even half. Wow. No, they housed that milkshake. But, yeah, um, I couldn't. And the whole thing, it was like 2,100 calories, the entire milkshake. So, Because yeah. I had something called the cereal killer. And it was made with fruity pebbles and mar- red marshmallows and all that good stuff. And it was just a lot. And they put them in mason jars. Oh, you had me at fruity pebbles. <laughs> so if you're ever in Atlanta, you know, especially if you bring your wife and daughter back with you, go to the yard. They'll love it. <laughs> but I just, um, I couldn't even drink half of it. I was completely full. Mm. Something like that I wouldn't eat for the rest of the day. Mm-mm. But that when you started with the milkshakes, I'm like, oh my god, it took me back because when you look at the menu, if you're a milkshake lover, when you look at the menu, it's like I don't know which one I want to try. It's so many. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing is, it wasn't even on their actual menu when you got mm-hmm. to the restaurant. It was actually on their online menu. Okay, and that's how we knew about it. Mm-hmm. So, wife went in there and inquired before we went to the pizza joint, and she they said, "Yeah, we we make that." It's like, okay, well, we'll come back. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Stomachs of steel. <laughs> I had to tell my daughter to slow down because she was about to eat that cookie thing, whatever you call it. Ooh. What's her daddy name? <sighs> Big time. I can imagine. I would have been proud. Yes. But- <laughs> oh, man. My wife shut that down. <laughs> wow. Good. She looked at your daughter. Like, yep. <laughs> wow. Now I want some ice cream. Steph. Yes. How was your week? My week was uh <laughs> my week was real. It was good, but it was emotional, if that makes sense. Why um, emotional? Well, first of all, I had some uh some stuff going on with my sinuses that I had to take care of. And then um um, I went to uh, spend some time with my mother because Thursday made a year since I lost the baby. So I was just like, I need, mm. to, I need to be around my mom. And um, Wednesday night, my family being who they are, you know, they were like, oh, we just going to surround her with love. So we were outside uh, Wednesday night because I was coming back to Georgia Thursday. We were outside Wednesday night and we like released some lanterns in the sky. It was real nice. It was real dope. Um and so, uh, you know, that's that's been it. And then uh, as a woman, <laughs> friendship drama, 
Um, it's something that I, I did not think I would still be going through in my forties to be honest. Real quick, before you go, you jump into the friendship drama, Mm -hmm. um, as far as it being a year, Mm -hmm. uh, what, what are the feels like emotionally? Um, how, how do you continue to cope with that? I went on a whole emotional roller coaster on Thursday. Um, mm-hmm. I woke up uh, feeling really numb and then numbness turned to sadness and then sadness turned to um, just, I don't know what I'm feeling in this moment. It was just up, down, up, down, up, down all day Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, I I lean heavily on therapy because, you know, without that, I probably had lost my mind by now. I... Um, this may sound weird, but I'm a little grateful um, for the experience. You know what I'm saying? Because um, being that I've had miscarriages prior, I'd never carried a baby that long. And so I'm. J- this was different because, you know, I, w- I could feel my baby moving and I was talking to my baby and I named him. So there was there was a deeper connection there, you know. And how um, far along did you get again? Just to remind everyone. Was it 22 weeks, mm-hmm. 22, 23 weeks? Mm-hmm. Um, so at, you know, this may sound weird to some people, but I, you know, at that point I was like, okay, I'm, I'm somebody's mother, you mm-hmm. know? So it was a situation where, you know, I, I delivered my baby, I got to hold my baby and then I had to essentially cremate my baby, you know? So that's just mm-hmm. a lot. That's mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I found myself, um, I find myself often getting a little frustrated with people because a year later, I'm still getting the question, well, when are you going to try again? Like I got that question. The first time I got that question was like two days after I, um, after I had the baby and I'm looking like, it's too soon to ask me that question. And a year later, I still feel like it's too soon to ask me that question. Who in their rabbit field mind would come up to you? Two days mm. after going through a tragedy that you did, and say to you that, when are you going to try again? It was actually a nurse at the hospital. Like I went back to the hospital two days later um, for a checkup with my doctor because you know they sent me home same day. I uh, remember with, that yeah, with and COVID that and yes, yeah, yeah, COVID odd. and everything going on. You know, they they were trying to get people in and out because at that particular hospital they had like uh, people, two people to a room at one point. And I was like, mm. so they put me in a diaper, t- uh, stitched me up, put me in a diaper, sent me home. Jesus. So I had to go back two days later for a a check. They stitched you up and sent you home the f- the same day. Twelve hours later, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, um, I went for, I had to go back for a checkup 48 hours later, um, just to make sure everything was okay. They wouldn't have to readmit me, all this good stuff. So there was a nurse in there. She was taking my vitals and stuff and she came to get blood. She was like, are you going to try for another baby? Hmm. And I mean, just cheerful like that. So I just kind of gazed at her and I asked, I said, what would make you ask me that question in this moment? She had no answer for me, of course. Um, I've, I've come to realize that sometimes people just don't know what to say. Um, so, so then they need to not say anything not at all. Not say anything at all. 
Right. I, I learned that when my father passed. Sometimes people just don't know what to say. Because I used to be the type of person that'd be like, oh, you know, such and such passed and you didn't even say anything to them. And when people would say, I don't know what to say, that would frustrate me. But then when I was on the receiving end of losing a loved one, then I realized people really just don't know what to say. Yeah. Because sometimes, I mean, words aren't enough, right? Mm -hmm. Because someone has dealt with such a tragedy. Mm-hmm. such a close loss mm-hmm. and words at that time really aren't a comfort. Right. And for you to be cognizant of that, it then puts you in a place of, well, I don't know what to say. And mm-hmm. a lot of times for me personally, and I've, I've done this with you, Steph, listen, whatever I can say is not going to make anything better. Mm-hmm. Just know that I'm praying for you. And I leave it at that. Right. Because me saying I'm sorry and and, and step this and th- what is that going to do for you? Right. I think oftentimes if people haven't been in their, those shoes, they really don't know what to say. Because right. I remember when when my father passed, my mother said to my siblings and I, you know, she's basically saying, I don't know what to say to comfort my children in this moment because I have not lost a parent. Mm-hmm. She was like, my children are experiencing something that I have not been through. Um, and, you know, she lost her parents soon after I lost my dad. Right. But um, so then it happened again with the baby. Now, my mother has experienced miscarriage, but she never experienced stillbirth and mm-hmm. having to make arrangements to have a baby cremated a bit. She she had not personally had to experience that. So, again, here she was. She was like, I don't know what to say that will comfort my daughter because I have not been in those shoes. And I think that's what it is for a lot of people. Like they, you know, I know I'm like that. If I haven't been in that position, because all before with my friends and whomever else, they would lose their parents. I would say that like, is there anything I would ask them? Is there anything you need from me? I'm here. You know, I'm physically here. I'm praying for you. But outside of that, I would limit what I would say because I, I was never in those shoes. So I did not know what to say. That's right. And, now, and even when you're in those shoes, yeah. But even in those shoes, it's still mm-hmm. difficult, it's right? Difficult because everybody yeah. everybody handles death differently. You That's know, right. um, when when my father passed, um, you know, five of us, five children at the time, five grandchildren at the time, and so you had ten different reactions. So you know, people could say one thing to me. And I may take offense to it, but they could say the same thing to my sister and she handled it well. You get what I'm saying? And and we saw that during the week, during, you know, when my father died, just like with us and um, the baby situation, there were were a lot of difficult things that I won't talk about on air between uh, Carter's father and myself. But it was a situation where, um, you know, this is essentially a loss for both of us. You get what I'm saying? And there were people that know both of us that were like, oh, Stephanie, we're so sorry for your loss. But they said nothing to him. Mm. That kind of made me a little angry, too, because I'm like, you know, they they don't know the behind the scenes of anything that's going on. They just know he suffered a loss. And these are people that you call your friends, but they can't console you in that moment because you are suffering a loss. And to this day have said nothing to him, which, you know, but um, people handle things differently. It's way different. Um, 
So I'm mindful of what I say when when people experience loss. But, uh, you know, to be on the receiving end of some of the, the wild things that people have said. And I'm like, oh, wow. You, you really didn't think before you opened your mouth. Wow. So we move over to the friendship. <laughs> I don't want to use the word drama. That's such a strong word. I feel that any human relationship can be difficult, whether it is a boyfriend-girlfriend situation, a marriage, um, parent-child, siblings. You know, relationships can be difficult. Relationships take work. I'll put mm-hmm. it like that. And I just feel like at this age, when, when in our early 40s, um, as far as women, because I can't speak on men, I'm not a man, um, maintaining a friendship should not be a struggle at this point. You understand what I'm saying? Um, when you say a struggle, what do you mean? If, okay, I'm going to take, for instance, uh, our friend Eunice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell anybody without a shadow of a doubt that Eunice loves me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and she can go tell anybody without a shadow of a doubt that Stephanie loves me. We may not mm-hmm. talk to each other every day. Um, things happen and all of this good stuff, but she knows right now if she calls me, I'm coming and vice versa. I know right now if I'm in a crisis and I call Eunice, she's getting in her car and she's coming over here. I cannot at the age of 42 deal with the friendship where I don't hear from you unless you need something from me. That's not a friendship. You're using me. So when I'm the type of person I'm not going to have continued discussions with people about what's wrong. I can say something. And if you decide to brush over it, then at that point, I've removed myself from the situation. That's that's just how it is for me. So months later, after I removed myself from the situation, you're coming to me. Oh, I was blindsided. Really? Were you? I haven't spoken to this person in months, months. And when I say months, I think we last spoke in May. Um, mm-hmm. And so I... I cut all ties right down to I unfriended said person on social media. Now there's nothing against her. No love lost. I still love her. Still love her family. Wish her the best. But you come fussing about me unfriending you on social media. And you just noticed that I was gone on Monday. And I did that back in May. Mm. You just noticed. So my thing is. What, were we really friends or did I provide a need at that time? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like what? So I, I really, yeah, I really don't have the, the, um, the energy to figure that out. Um, let's just go our separate ways and be happy. But then, you know, it was all, all these long texts that I didn't read and dramatic productions. And I'm just not going through that. How long you were, how long have you been friends with this person? 12 years. Mm-hmm. I consider them family. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and like I said, there's no love loss. I wish her the very best. Everything. So, so what was the disconnect again? Like, um, well, it started when I had the baby because uh, when I miscarried the baby, because, you know, I, I send you a text and tell you what's happening because I couldn't call mm-hmm. at the moment and stuff like that. And then I didn't hear from you again. Mm-hmm. At all. 
Wow. You asked someone else how I was doing. And you directly text her. Mm-hmm. Wow. No call, no no text, no how you doing, no nothing. But she asked someone else how I was doing. Um, mm. And some other little things that I'm not going to get into because I don't know if she listens or, you know, whoever, because I don't want to hurt her feelings. Like I said, I still love her. You know, I wish her the best. I don't want to hurt her feelings or make it seem like I'm attacking her. But what I am saying is that I'm too old to try to struggle with friendships. I don't think a friendship should be a struggle at this age and stage. Or transactional after 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. I felt when, when I talked to my therapist about it, she asked me, she said, how does this person make you feel? And the first word that came to mind was disposable. And it was at that moment that I knew that the friendship had to end. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sad about it. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I I have to when I, I urge anybody, male, female, old, young, you know, when something or someone is no longer serving you, Walk away from it. It doesn't mean you're mad. It doesn't mean there there's any bad blood or any hatred, but just you have to do what's best for your mental health. So, mm. yeah. You know, it's funny that you say all that, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what a friendship really is. You're serving each other. Mm-hmm. Um, purpose. And other things, but you're serving each other. And a lot of times um, that person doesn't have a plate to serve you with anything. Right. And rather than saying, help me, they just decide not to serve you anything anymore and just think that maybe you let it um, blow over or forget or any something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And as you said earlier, we're a little bit too old. Um, You know, when we were kids, some of those things that, you know, we can overlook or it may not have hold so much weight Mm -hmm. back then because we're kids. But now as adults, as time becomes much more precious and shorter, you know, um, you have to find out what's best served for you and where to spend the time that you have. Mm-hmm. And if it's not going to be reciprocated, then why would you put that energy towards that situation or that person? Mm-hmm. You know, and <clears throat> don't get me wrong. Life is busy. As I said, time is precious and short. Sometimes you may not hear from a person for such a long time. Sometimes, you know, you may not see a person for a long time. Listen, uh, John and I are as close as can be, but we don't see each other every month. (laughs) We don't talk to each other every day Mm -hmm. Um, and we don't have to. But for he or I to go through a life-changing event and we reach out for 
I don't know, words of encouragement or, you know, to speak, just to hear that person's voice, you know, um, and for that other person to ignore, um, you know, it's like, okay, what, what what's that all about? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm a firm believer in if you have a problem with someone, if you feel like that person has wronged you mm-hmm. or has done something to you that maybe you didn't like, um, especially if you have a relationship with that person, you speak to them, you know, and say, hey, I felt slighted. I felt overlooked. I felt like you didn't care. I felt like, and here's why. Um, and we cannot control how another person feel. We can control our intentions. Um, but if a person feels that way, you have to respect that. You know, you can tell them, Hey, well, this is what my intentions were. Never would I, in my wildest imagination, slight you or disrespect you or do anything. This, this is where I was with it. Mm-hmm. And then you let that person decide on, you know, how they're going to take that because you've cleared the air. Um, but always let a person know, you know, how you feel, especially if you care about them. Listen, Last year, I lost two people mm-hmm. that were close to me. One of them was a family member. And to this day, as we sit here and record on November 5th at 1157 a.m. in the morning, neither one of those men have been man enough to come and tell me that they got a problem with me. Mm. not my family member and not someone that I considered closer than close for almost for almost 30 years mm-hmm. not one of them have as I like to say had the balls to tell me anything I, I, I have to find out either through conversations with other people or just complete silence. And I don't have a problem with you. So, of course, I'm not, you know, I'm not thinking that there's anything wrong. So rather than you tell me that, hey, I'm upset with you. Here's why. Right. You just ghost and that's what i'm saying like not saying that you did anything stuff mm-hmm. to her because you probably didn't more than likely you didn't there's a 99.9 percent chance you did not uh but because of her guilty conscience because of the things that she wasn't doing on her end of the friendship you know backbiting mm-hmm. backstabbing talking about you you know, having these thoughts or just simply not being the friend to you the way that you were the friend to her, 
she wasn't woman enough to face you in the beginning to respond or to be a support system for you. And not only that, I'm going to tell you something that grinds my gears with people because I've had several female friends do this to me. I understand that we're busy. We're all busy. Mm -hmm. But they love to say this to me. I have a husband and children. So that makes you more busy than me. Correct. Right. (laughs) Okay. Right. (laughs) If you have a husband and a child, that means you got somebody to help you with everything. So your work is pretty much split in half than if you were by yourself. Because guess what? And I hate to use this as an example, but when when I lost my baby and I came in here and I was was in here on this couch, if I had a husband and children, I'd, I would have had some help in here. You understand what I'm saying? Like when I came in here as, as sore as I was, as bad as I felt, I still had to make sure my home was clean. I still had to make sure I had something to eat. Everything I did, I had to do myself. They sent you home in stitches and diaper. Mm-hmm. And so guess you what? had to take care of yourself Not only that and I was still sitting on my couch Doing work mm-hmm. <laughs> Talking to clients on the phone Like trying to push that emotion To the side And you know I'm not discounting that Having a spouse And children takes up a lot of your time I know it does I, I don't personally know but I understand that it does But I hate mm-hmm. when people say that To make it seem like they are busier than you if you don't have a spouse and children. Or every second of their day is confined to taking, indulging into whatever their spouse or children need. Every second. That's mm-hmm. a lie. Mm-hmm. People make time for the things they want to make time for. Exactly. I say that and I stand by it because, and that's not discounting um I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't feel that she and her family did not love me. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is there was no space for me. You know what I'm saying? So I just moved on out of the way. I mean, is it yeah, for me, it's just that simple. Um, but I have come to the resolve, and I said this to my therapist, that no matter what happens from here on out, be it with friends, with family members, you know, I am okay with being the villain in someone else's story if it means that I now have peace in my own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I love her, love her kids, love her husband, but whatever narrative they want to come up with to tell them or to tell other people or, or to make themselves feel better, I'm okay with it. Well, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. They come up with their own personal narrative Mm -hmm. to make themselves feel better and um, perpetrating a fraud in the process. Yes. There you go, John. Yeah. That that's exactly what's going on. And um, for me, the one thing I always ask God to help me with is not having a heart of steel. And because then that allows for you not to have certain things penetrate your heart. Mm -hmm. So I I struggle with that because I'm nowhere near perfect. Um, And that's a struggle. And that's not something you want to take with you. And And I'll continue to give my wife credit for this. My heart has become softer 
since I've been with her for the past 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't, I did not have a soft heart, but when you have wronged me, mm-hmm. when you have lied on me, talked about me, making up lies about me, um, I don't know how to, I can forgive. Mm-hmm. I can forgive. And that was, that was part of the problem before I, I would not forgive. I can forgive now. And you know how you say you never forget. Like I, I don't, mm-hmm. I never, never, ever forget because you didn't have that to do. Right. You didn't have to wake up one day and say, hey, I'm not going to talk to him anymore. And it be over something stupid. Like a podcast show. Hmm. And if that is the cause, <sighs> you be man enough to say, hey, let me talk to you. But you don't. You don't say a word. And you go about life and 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 the people around you have no idea because you're not man enough to tell because you you probably don't know yourself outside of jealousy and there was nothing to be jealous of. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and so when you when you've experienced those type of things and, and 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 for me it was less than two months that both of those things happened for me last last year. From the close family member mm-hmm. to the very close friend. And it was funny because uh on our little Google Hub thing, mm-hmm. pictures will come up that we stored there and pictures came up of our wedding from years ago and those two people are standing side by side in my wedding. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how that works. And to this day, not a word. Mm. Not a word. And and as far as I know. At least not to you. Not to me. Right. Now, with my family member, they've gone and told everybody. And, And the reason has to be the craziest reason that you would ever, ever imagine, ever think of. And that's probably why they haven't even said anything to me. Mm. And for the other person, you know, you're an adult, you're a man. And that's the problem that I, and and I want to segue into this with black men. And I'm going to say this and, Black men that listen to this show, y'all may be upset. Y'all may be mad. I really don't care. You guys have to be the biggest disappointments for me in this world. Oh, Keith. I say that because... We, I'm not going to say 
that women, black women, are so dependent on us that they need us to do every single thing. But we're supposed to be leaders for our community. And how can we look to lead our community when every chance we get we're trying to knock the next black man down. It happens friendship wise. It happens in politics. It happens in families. It happens in professional settings. How can we build up this community? this black community and lead the forefront, be on the front lines in front of our women to lead and guide. And we're trying to tear and knock each other down because we are so afraid that that house, a table that we are trying to get to be in or be at, there's only one seat for us. Whereas we should be all together. I'm going to go another step further. The one thing I always said when I created this podcast in 2021, when it, when it was actually created, it was already a thought. It was already something that, that, that I came up with for years, for a couple of years there. But when I asked two individuals to join this podcast, Not one time did I ever say, this is mine, here's the law, this is mine. I always said, this is ours. As three black men, this is ours. We're going to build this up as ours. We're going to grow this as ours. Professionally, anytime I've encountered a roadblock to go up to whatever level I'm trying to get to, there's always a black man, black man at the end of that roadblock, holding up that roadblock for me. Always. Gatekeeper. Family wise. Trying to build a family trying to come together, especially in a time of tragedy. There's a black man at the end holding up that knife to cut through the family. It happens time and time and time again, and I'm speaking personally for me. There's no need for it. But we continue to do it. We continue to show it. And then the first thing we want to do is and say is, why these black women don't respect us? Why these kids ain't got no fear of us or or respect for us? Why is the community not growing? Why are we being taken advantage of? 
The reason being is because we got so many Stevens in our community. And if you don't know the reference, watch the movie Django. Uh. We've got so many Stevens in our community. Whether it's in our families, whether it's our friends, whether it's professionally, there is no reason that every opportunity that I've had professionally has come from others outside of black. There's no reason, especially when there's been blacks professionally in a place to make sure that we all eat can do it. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm able to eat professionally because of other races. There's no reason for that. You know, but here we are. We had so this discussion it's a in the group. Did you see those comments? No, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it. I didn't see this discussion. Yeah. Um, so it's a disappointment. Because this is what we're supposed to do. I wouldn't sit there and go, well, John, hey, man, this ain't yours. <laughs> this is just mine. How am I expecting for him to grow if I'm going to keep something from him? But ask him to do the work. If somebody came today or tomorrow to John and put 30 million down on the table, I'm speaking hypothetically, to take on a show. You know what? If he don't take it, I'm going to put him in the deepest chokehold he could ever imagine. And I'm going to make sure he don't wake up to the next day. Because that's what I want for him. Not, oh, how this nigga going to get something and I ain't got it. No, I want you to get it because in turn, I want you to do whatever I did for you. I want you to do it for somebody else, even if it isn't for me and somebody that looked like me and you. We as black men, we don't know how to do that because we want to constantly be in competition with each other and we constantly want to think that there's only we only can be one in the house mm-hmm. instead of having your own house you still want to work for massa mm-hmm. and keep everybody else out on the field it is a disappointment and that's why I've said that and that's why I continue to say that it is disappointing it is a disappointment it is sad and it continues to be that way and you cannot sit there and expect to get respect at home when the energy and the characteristics that you portray is being shown for those people at home that you expect to respect you, they see it. You 
You don't have to be somebody's uncle to be a Tom. Okay. Good day. So I'm going to say this again, black men, you are disappointed, but guess what? We still have time. We still have time to change. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with when someone's wrong, right? Because we all step out of place. We all at times are wrong in what we do. Absolutely. But as another black man, I should be able to check you, pull you in away from the world to see and say, Hey man, there's a better way to go about doing this. There's a better way we can do things. But that's the problem, Keith. People want to check, but not be checked. Yeah. They want to check you all day long. But when you go to check them, it's a problem. Like, how dare you? And that's the problem that we have. You know what I mean? And as black men, we have to stop with the holding back. We have to stop with the killing. And thinking that it's okay. This young man, this rapper, take off from the Migos. That did not have to happen. And historically, for the situation that they were in, that's two years in a row that somebody got killed at that young man's birthday bash or whatever. Why? Why are you doing this? That young man was sitting there minding his own business. He wasn't even involved in all that. And he lost his life. Didn't even know before he he didn't even have a chance to think, oh, my God, I'm losing his life. His life was gone. We're seeing the Kanye West is getting out there saying something stupid time and time again. We're seeing the Kyrie Irvins promoting something on on his on his uh on his his social media handles. I'm not saying everything that Kanye is doing is right. I'm not saying everything Kyrie was doing is right, but the last damn thing we need is for some of our black leaders to step out into the media. And called him everything but a child of God. Some people, with some of the things that they say, you have to wash your hands with them. But if you do love that person, you continue to correct them in love. And sometimes, You have to step back and say, is money more important to me than my integrity and love? If I'm being told by my bosses that I must have to, I must do something and I must say something 
and it goes against my integrity as a black man, you need to take a stand. You need to take a stand. Let me reiterate what I just said. Not everything that these people are saying in the last few days is right or correct. It isn't. Not everything. And for the last gentleman, he didn't say anything. He posted something. But instead of where did he get that from? Now we're going to attack him because we know where he got it from. We know what platform he got it from. The platform that actually has the product that everybody's ridiculing this young man for posting on his social media page. That platform is open to the public. The biggest platform in the world right now where you can make transactions. Mm. But nobody has any smoke as they like to say for that owner or for that platform oh man listen the same owner for the job that a young man works on it was reported that he's taking part in genocide of the Ugarian Muslims over there in China with the Nike workshop Reported by ESPN, Josiah, whatever you, however you pronounce his name. No smoke. None whatsoever. No one has come to this young man's defense at all. Publicly. They've publicly bashed him, but nobody has stepped up and said, hey, y'all need to stop calling him idiots. One of the main people calling the idiots was the main man that got behind a company that had the owner up here calling everybody niggers. But he had the balls to get on his platform. Well, it ain't his platform. Mm. And say that that young man was an idiot for sharing that 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 book, that movie, Hebrews the Negroes. While you comfortably sit in your millions of dollars from a company that hate you, that hates you and your family. And especially your birth name. Publicly hates you and your family said it. But let me jump on the board of directors and save this company. It's a wholesome company. But this guy over here is an idiot. We have to be careful with how we say and do things. You're not going to sit here and publicly ridicule somebody no matter how wrong they are for saying something with the words that they said was wrong 
comparing themselves to Emmett Till, comparing, saying that that man didn't get killed. You're not, it's wrong, publicly wrong, as that young man was for saying that a couple of weeks ago. You're not going to get up on your platform and start saying all this crap when you've ordered hits on multiple young black men in your heyday. Ordered hits. Hits mean killing them. Matter of fact, you got a young man in prison right now that took a hit for you. (laughs) You can't do all that. And listen, there's going to be turmoil in every thing that we do. But if we can respect one another, if we can look to the few as leaders and say, okay, what do we do here? You can organize. You know what? You won't have to worry about losing these deals. You won't worry. You won't have to worry about losing these jobs and and your life depending on these people to make you whole. You won't have to worry about that. Steph said something very powerful the other day. Certainly did. We got all the power. Black people. But I don't think anyone realizes that in our community. Not in the position of power. Right now. We're heading into these November elections. The Hispanics have turned their backs on the Democrats. Sure have. So guess who that rollout is going to be once again for to go out there and vote blue. (laughs) And guess who once they get into that office, they're going to turn their backs on who got them in the office. Fighting for them and getting any legislations or anything passed for these people. Guess who? But we put put ourselves in a position in, well, what we going to do? We only got the left and the right to vote for. That's not true. Because I'm going to tell you this. I was was not planning to go vote, but I did. And I'm going to put it out here. Like, I think only uh, two people on that ballot here in Georgia uh, that I voted for were of you know, from the Democratic Party. I voted Libertarian, everything else. Hmm. And you can do that. Mm-hmm. And black people, you don't have you to. Do if, you're, if you're trying to be a politician, you do not have to be a Democrat or Republican, especially if your views does not line up with that party. And especially if you've seen firsthand what that party is doing to your people. That's why the Hispanics will up and take their vote elsewhere. Because guess what? If they're not getting the support where they need it, they're going to go where they're going to get the support. I'm not just going to sit there and give you my vote just because I'm black. I'm not going to do that. But time and time again, 
That's what's put on us. That's what is expected of us. And then we get some of these so-called powerful black people that are controlled by money to go out there and hell hack you and put you into a position of where you feel like you're not doing for your people to make you vote the way that is being brought down to you to vote. That's why I said, black men, we are a disappointment. It's been since the 60s since we had a strong leader. No, I'm not going to say that because, you know, some uh, I'll say they're not going to look at him as a leader because some of his things are are so far radical in some of his ideas. But we've had Farrakhan for a while. Yeah. But some of his ideas are, are so radical. Well, who else would have the balls to get on 60 Minutes and tell Mike Wallace? Was it Mike Wallace? I think it was Mike Wallace. How dare you sit there? And try to talk about another nation. Yeah, that was Mike Wallace. But we don't have the, these people, these these billionaires. We got one billionaire that's, I don't want to call the man crazy because everybody call him crazy. But he got issues. He got mental issues. He can't be nobody leader. He ain't all the way wrong. It's some of the stuff that he has said when it ain't spliced up to be projected out there for it to be wrong. All the other stuff. Yeah, he's wrong and he can't be anybody's leader. But all the other ones, the other billionaires that sitting there. I'm not going to put this on the women. No, I'm not. Because black men, the first thing we want to say, we head of the household. We do this. We Well, how can you be head of the household when you can't lead? Oh, Every time I've seen something posted about Kyrie, you know who's the first to jump on a social media post to downgrade that brother and talk bad about him? A nig. A black male nig at that. Because every time I look on social media, and I'm talking about this is every single post I'm seeing, black women are standing with Kyrie Irving. That's what we always do. But Sometimes you Negroes, you Negroes, uh-uh. He shouldn't have said what he said. Well, what did he say, sir? He posted a book, a movie. I'm sorry. What did he, what did he actually say? Well, he has all he has a responsibility with all these followers he has. And okay, what about the responsibility of the company and the owner that actually has the product that you feel is so bad? Because they have way more reach than Kyrie Irving. I'm pretty sure before all that got blown up, a lot of people outside the NBA bubble didn't even know who Kyrie Irving is, was. But I guarantee you they know who Amazon is and what they do. <laughs> <laughs> Probably had an order come in that same day. 
But every single social media post I'm seeing is you black ashy Negroes. Yeah, I said it. Ooh, I Sean, say, he said ashy. Because I'm ashy myself. myself. Me too. Physically. Oh, <laughs> said, me too. It's you all getting on these posts, getting on this post, putting that young man in the trash can, making yourself feel good and look good for you know who. Can I say this, though? Go ahead. There is one specific a time when when black men will and I, of course I'm not talking about every black man I have to put those disclaimers out there you don't need to no let me tell you um, some stuff uh-uh, mm-hmm. hold on okay. don't put no disclaimer on it because if I'm throwing the ball whatever dog get hit they gonna holler okay. if it didn't hit the dog that it was supposed to hit they not I mean if it don't hit that dog that it wasn't supposed to hit they not gonna holler so you don't need to put a disclaimer out there. Gotcha. There's one. Specific- I ain't taking no offense. John ain't taking no offense to it. There is one specific time when black men will rally around other black men and lift them up and support them. And that is when there's a black woman being degraded or insulted in the process. Yes. That's when the support is there. Yes. Facts. And this is what we say, black men. This is what we mean when we say we don't feel safe with you all. And you can't, you know what? Once upon a time, Steph, I could argue that point. I can't argue that no more because you know what? Other black men don't feel safe with other black men. Because I don't know what you have in store for me. I don't know if I, when I turn my back, you're going to shoot me in my head. Like that young man from that group. Okay. Unfortunately, had his life taken for nothing. But Black men don't. For us, allegedly. Uh, right. Black men don't feel safe around other black men. So. I can't dispute you with that Cause let me at tell, all. Let me tell you something. Everybody was told, like, with this whole situation with takeoff, everybody was told, um, you know, basically kind of sort of what happened with Quavo and mouthing off and stuff like that. When what you call it was, was shot and killed outside of Roscoe's and everybody blamed his girlfriend, I want to know why they didn't have that same energy for Quavo. Mm. They were like, don't blame him. He's going through a lot. So his girlfriend wasn't going through a lot. PNB, what is what is that? What was his name? Uh, P P P Rock. Yeah. His girlfriend wasn't going through a lot. It was okay to blame her. But when it was told, the story that was told was that takeoff was in the cut chilling while Unk was mouthing off. And he he was, you know, he got hit by a stray bullet for, you know, uh a uh, a uh, an issue that wasn't even his issue, but you, everybody was like, stop blaming him, you know, and I'm not blaming him. Let me put that out there. But what I'm saying is, it's just, it's so like in, in our faces, how, it, how the, how unfair it is, the, the double standards and stuff. And then when you say stuff like this, Oh, you're making it out to be more than what it is. No, I'm making it out to be exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, was about to tear that woman down <laughs> that she posted where they was and come to find out them people were sitting there ready to hit somebody. But everybody knows that, you know, Quavo has been a hothead. It's been mm-hmm. said, it's been this, that, you know. So, and again, I'm not blaming him, but mm-hmm. he was involved in the argument mm-hmm. that led to the gun. Y'all are multi, you a multimillionaire. What you doing playing a dice game? Playing dice. It's not funny, but it's funny. Like No, it's funny as hell. (laughs) Thank you, John. (laughs) Why are you playing dice? I didn't know people still shot crabs, to be honest. Not me. I didn't know multimillionaires did. But again, I'm looking on all these posts and nothing but black women. Spring, maybe little specks of black men, specks in there, uh, standing up and taking up for Kyrie Irving. And it isn't so much standing up by saying, Oh my god, yeah, what he posted is correct and what he said is right. No, they're standing up for the public whipping, absolutely, that he's experiencing right now. Because that mess with Jalen Rhodes last night, that forced apology, when I tell you that made me sick inside, huh. And, you know, I'm going to say this. When I say black men, I say black American men. When I say it's a disappointment because we're the ones that historically have had to deal with adversity and racism. Uh, Black non-Americans, they never, you know, especially if they're from an island, they're on their own island. Right. So they, they don't understand so much what the racism is to deal with in America from a long view standpoint. You know what I mean? They may, they may experience it when they come over here, you know, after so many years, but this is something that, you know, we've, if we haven't had to experience ourselves, we've seen our fathers, our grandfathers and grandmothers and mothers deal with it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it hits different for us when we see these things happening. And you may not have to, you may not agree with what Kyrie said. I'm sorry, what he posted. That's okay. But to stand back and let this young, unproblematic brother who don't, who is not, to my, to my knowledge, he ain't bothering nobody. Not a soul. He's a big time philanthropist at that. He right. puts his money where his mouth is. So he does more to uplift uh, whatever cause he deems worthy than destruct. They want to tear him down. Makes no well, sense. But these same Listen. these same people that want to tear him down are these same ones that are having these social media vigils over these rappers. That are getting mm-hmm. killed every week, knowing they still out in the street doing dumb shit. I'm just gonna put it out there like that. I don't wish death on anybody. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it's not sad, but when you live that life, you suffer the consequences. They still out in the street doing dumb shit and it's rest in peace and da, 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 and you know, posting songs and shit. And you promote promoting that. Now, I want to piggyback off of what John just said about what 
this young man is, Kyrie Irving, here's what he's just done in just the last year. Donated $323,000 to Feed in America. Mm. Partnered with City Harvest to ensure that 250,000 meals were distributed to New Yorkers. Partnered with Nike to donate 17 pallets of food and masks to the Standing Rock Tribe. They dropped him. Committed $1.5 million to help pay WNBA players who opted out of the 2020 season. Didn't he also pay the salaries for the people at the Barclays Center who had to be shuttered due to the pandemic? Didn't he contribute to that as well? I think I, so. I, he I think he probably did. did. This didn't come up on my list for what he did last year, in the last year, but I'm pretty sure he did. That probably was counting 2020 or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, paid off the college tuition of nine HBCU students from Lincoln University. Purchased a house for the family of George Floyd. This idiot did all those things. And I can guarantee you, everybody that has called him an idiot in the last day haven't done a quarter of those things for those people. And again, I'm no way here sitting here saying, oh, my God, everything that this young man has done is perfect. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that he does not deserve to be publicly lashed Every, when I, and, and, and I'm sorry that I have this visual, but the visual that I have of what he went through, and this may be pushing it. And I know I can see him in, in, in one breath condemn what Kanye said about Emmett Till, but I, I'm going to say this <clears throat> every time I see, every time I've just seen in the last few days, what's happened to Kyrie, that image in the movie glory of Denzel Washington, just standing there, watching yeah. him whip him and he's not saying nothing but you see the frustration in his face and that tear just coming down from his eye that's what i that's what i'm just i'm seeing with this young man just being lashed you 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 you, you got you got told to to push to donate money or maybe he didn't get pushed maybe he just said you know what it's five hundred thousand dollars he didn't meet with the 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 NBA uh, commissioner when he wanted to meet with him. I'm going to suspend you for five days. Now the owner saying, hey, we may not even bring him back, period, unless you meet these demands. Now Nike running a, a, a kid sweatshop to make shoes in China is saying we're not going to deal with him. When is enough enough? When when is enough enough? And when are you black men going to stand up, especially you all in power? Because guess what? I could sit here all day and say, hey, I support him, but I ain't got that power that you got. When is it enough for you to sit here and say, you know what? All this money ain't worth it. It's not worth my integrity. I hate when people always want to bring the money up. Well, he got such and such coming his way and his salary and this. So you can't put a price on morals. You just can't. John said it the other day on our sports podcast that drops every Friday. John said, Carrie's a free man. 
And I don't think you understand the impact of what John said when he said that Kyrie's a free man. Anybody? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, nothing. But what I was going to say to say this is that, and we can sit here and, and, and compare apples and oranges, but when Harvey Weinstein was raping the women, you didn't hear the mother, the, the Jewish Hollywood directors, because those are his peers. You didn't hear the Jewish Hollywood directors are owners of these um, production companies and movie companies come out and condemn him. There was silence when Woody Allen did what he did. And they made a documentary. You didn't hear these other Jewish movie directors or, or um, executives, executives come out and condemn him. Absolutely not. When Howard Stern came out doing blackface, when he was playing a celebration song when Selena got killed. You didn't hear these other Jew, these Jew, Jewish uh, media executives come out and denounce him or even drop him from the radio. That's what I'm talking about. They knew they were wrong. But publicly, they didn't come out and denounce them. Can't say that for us. Hell, and I'm not going to say all of us are like that, you know, like I said before, because look at what happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock. Will Smith got on national stage and slapped that man, and guess what? Denzel and, and, and Tyler went right to him and surrounded him in love. They told him, brother, you wrong, but guess what? They surrounded him in love right then and there. Right then and there, they surrounded him in love. Just like that. But that's all I have on that. I, I just I'm 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 frustrated. Um the senseless killing of um takeoff, the public bucking. And lashing of Kyrie Irving instead of pulling that young man to the side and saying, hey, let me talk to you. No, y'all not going to do him like this. If y'all do him like this, then I'm taking my name from y'all too. Hey, brother, there's a different way you could have went about doing that. You know what what times we in, you know how everything gets looked at, you know, you know, there's a there's a time and a place for that, man. Sometimes you got to choose your battles. I'm not telling you to walk in fear, but let's talk this out. Yeah. Let's understand why you made it your business to post that and, and, and what the impact could be, because you know that who runs your league. You know that. So let's look at that impact that it's going to have, man. 
And if Kyrie come in and say, yeah, I understood that, man, but I'm just tired, I understand, brother. And if you ready to walk, then okay, I got you. Rather than sitting there in silence or coming on public TV and just calling the man an idiot. There's a lot of things that could be said about some of y'all. And and the one, and I'm not going to discuss this on, on air. I'll tell y'all about it later. The one person I was very disappointed in finding out some stuff about them was Mr. Shannon Sharp. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know what I knew about him until I found out. Oh, and yeah. So I want to know now. <laughs> when uh, he, uh, let's just say, um, remember what what happened with LeBron James' son, with who he took the prom, and there was so much said, and he he kind of he really made an uproar about it. There was a reason why. I'll just say some stuff is for the show, for his show, to make you think one way, and it really isn't. Oh, now I'm curious. So, but we'll we'll touch on that another day. But it's just disappointing, you know, that these black men will get, you know, they're, they're in a position of power, prominence, and they use their voice to to do that. So it's 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 sad, and it's disheartening. We'd have made a whole damn show of this, and you know what? <laughs> Listen, that's it- somehow how it happens. It takes a village and the village concept really is lost. So they think, you know, because we're adults, we don't need a village. We absolutely yeah. need our villages. Um, and a lot of times these young black men who are celebrities and athletes and stuff, they don't have that. Hell, ordinary black men don't have villages. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I, I think we all need it, but I think you all more so than we do. Yeah. Because women, we don't have our village. We'll have our tribe, you know, black women. But black men, it just seems like that's a lost concept among you all. And it's unfortunate. Because we in constant, we got to be in constant competition with each other. Yeah. We got to be, we got to be, we cannot all be at the mountaintop together. It can only be one. Only one. Because all that money that you see with these black men and entertainment all across the board and entertainment. Why is there not any more black owners aside from, you know, it, it, there's only so many times that the other owners that are white in these leads could deny so many black owners making bids for these teams before it's like, okay, now there's a problem. Right. But there's so many other things that you can do. And, and I'm not going to say that, uh, it's a, a issue. I mean, that, that, oh my God, what he's doing is perfect. Nothing's perfect. But look at what Ice Cube's trying to do with the Big Three League. He's trying to keep some of these older players afloat, you know, or maybe the players are not it. Why not try to pour into some of that? The men already in the set, ESPN, trying to cut him, trying to cut him. You know what I mean? So. And not saying that he he's in all be all, but there's an idea. You know what I'm saying? Let's try to get something 
that can push up for us. That's all I'm saying. And then, but but nobody wants to do that because every, I got to be the top dog. Why can't we all be the top dog? Right. If we all equally putting our money in together to support something, as men, why can't we sit there and say, hey, we can all be the top dog? There's something that you have your expertise in. There's something that he has his expertise in. And there's something I have my expertise in. Let's put it together. Let's combine. Let's transform like Optimus Prime. I'll come together like, uh, what was the name of that show? Um, uh, damn, I forgot the name of the show. But <laughs> we can all come together and form something big. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we need to do because this ain't working. But again, we got to know how to humble ourselves and really, really be looking out for our best interests. And I do not think black men in particular know how to do that. I don't think we know how to, we haven't learned how to support each other and be there for each other. And that's why we see what we've seen with certain things. And I, and I can guarantee you that this isn't the end. I was talking with Antoine last night and, um, you know, he'll be on the show. But his thoughts on this and what he says is the real deal. He said this backlash against black people has everything to do with Black Lives Matter. He said that's why we're seeing all this backlash. And I'm sure he has his own take when he comes on the show. We get him in in the next couple of weeks or so. And he can give his in-depth perspective of why he thinks that. Um, because that was a big thing, you know, the, the, the movement, not the organization, the movement. Um, that was a big thing. And maybe this is a tapping of the hand to sit down and shut up. You was loud for two or three years there. Now you need to shut up. Who knows? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But we we have to show more support as black men not black women I ain't got no problem with that y'all ain't got, no matter how bad we do y'all no matter how bad we talk about y'all no matter what's going on y'all still turn out for us in droves and, I, and I'll use any death is sad any anytime one of us are, are, are killed, especially killed by law enforcement, you know, uh, innocently is bad. But the public reaction to George Floyd, as opposed to the public reaction to um, Breonna Taylor, Taylor, is it's embarrassing. It's such an abusive relationship between black men and black women. It is. 
and emotionally, like, I don't care how much you beat me down, how much I'm battered by you, how much you abandon me, how much, all of this stuff, I'm going to stick beside you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to have your back. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to nurture you. But when I need you, you're going to beat the crap out of me and be there for everybody else. That's it. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying all black men. Because I know some amazing ones, but as a whole, that's what it feels like, an abusive relationship. I can't disagree with you on that stuff. And that brings tears to my eyes. I'm sorry. That's all right. I want to ask this question and we can get off from here. John, do you feel as a black man that you're supported by other black men? In all realms of life, professionally, personally, do you feel supported? Uh, That's a uh, convoluted and murky question. Uh, But I'll try to be as succinct as I possibly can with my response and I can only go based off of the interactions uh, that I've had uh, with other uh, black men and they haven't been too often. Uh, No, I can't really say that I have Mm -hmm. now if we're talking about family, I got tons of black men that I can go in my family if I have any questions or, um, if I need any encouragement, I know where to go to. But professionally, no, I haven't really received much support by black man or black men. Excuse me. Um, and even with my uh, current leader in position, uh, I don't feel the support nor. Uh, do I feel that uh, he makes much of an effort to pull people who look like him to the side and offer any type of blueprint as to what it took for him to reach the capacity that uh, he's held from different companies, from uh, the different states that he's been to and his, his life experiences. And, um, Part of that is he isn't a great communicator. And on top of that, and I'm trying try not to be comical, but I think he has fucking Asperger's. But um, <laughs> um, you know what? It, leave it to John to get John, a laugh out of me. Listen, John never means for these things to be funny because he <laughs> says it. With such a straight face and such a straight tone, and you and I laugh every single, like gut laugh every single time. While this man is trying to make a serious point, I, I, I think it's it, it's a um, it's a defense mechanism because honestly, this episode has been so heavy and so deep, and I'm literally freaking depressed uh, by consuming. All the content, and I haven't had really much to add to it because it's not that I don't want to add to it, but I don't necessarily know how to articulate myself uh, when we go into a particular realm when it, uh, in regards to 
to us in the state of black folk in general, it is very difficult for me. It is very difficult for me to sit here and listen to it. Um, and I, I feel like it, it just goes into this echo chamber and gets cast, casted off mm-hmm. um, basically amongst the stars, never to be seen or heard from again until it comes back up again. It's basically the same process over and over and over again. And I guess I'm just tired. But to to answer your question and, you know, all jokes aside, um, as referenced before, I don't have a, a ton of instances where I've had people who look like me who are necessarily for me. And that's sad. And uh, Keith referenced this as far as uh, his professional upbringing, sort of in a sense. He's received more support from individuals who don't look like him than otherwise. And I I basically have to say the same exact thing. And, uh, you know, I've talked to my mom because my mom and I, we work for the same company. She's probably gone through the same thing as well. And, um, It is, uh, I guess I'm just, I'm just numb to it all at this particular point. Um, I have a leader who's phenomenal uh, in my current capacity, love her to death. And she is uh, for everybody. It doesn't matter what you look like, but um, the person above her, uh, for whatever reason, when we get into a state of power, we let that power go to our heads and for whatever reason, we want to sit there and act like we're an oligarch, like a Russian oligarch. And there's everything has to be completely centralized. Oh, this has to go through me. You can only make suggestions, not decisions. And that's not right. Versus, I don't know, fostering a, a culture where autonomy is needed. Mistakes can be made, but they shouldn't be admonished. Well, depending on the size of the mistake, but um, we're really not in that climate right now, especially with the black men that I've come across in leadership. And once again, it's sad. So to answer your question and sorry to waterboard you with this. No, I honestly haven't received um haven't received the guidance or the, the, the leadership or um, great communication. You can go down the list and there's going to be a no right next to each one of those. So, mm. yeah. Same here. Um, you know, aside from one, one guy I consider my mentor, he, he's a black man. I, I haven't, you know, had that professionally um all of the opportunities mentorship has come from a black woman <laughs> a white woman and a puerto rican man every opportunity professionally <clears throat> that has been put in place in front of me have come from those individuals. And then not only just the opportunity, but also the guidance. Mm. 
the 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 one the the white woman she continues to guide me to this day she's pretty much family but the black man mm-mm. and they always have this air about them where nah I could but you need to you need to get it the way I got it. That that's that that's what you see on their face. You need to get it. I, I had to I had to scrap for it. Yeah. I don't have a problem getting my hands dirty. But if I see another brother or sister there that has the potential and there's an opportunity, I'm gonna do what I can. I have always been that way. As a leader, I've always done that. Always, when there's an opportunity, yeah. But we as black men, it's like, nah, nah, Buck, you gonna have to get it the way you know. Mm-mm. Nah, I'm not giving out any handouts. What, nigga? I didn't ask you for a handout. Or I got to put on the show in front of these white folks to let them know I'm not showing you any favoritism. What? If I'm doing my job, you don't have to come behind that and be an asshole on top of that. Mm -hmm. Just to show the white folks you're not showing favoritism. They could care less about that because guess what? They don't do it with their own. The Asians don't do it on with their own. The Latinos don't do it with their own. The Arabic people don't do it with their own. And you, the crab in a barrel mentality. Right. So. And you notice something I've noticed from the black female point of view as far as black men in the workplace and not to, to dog y'all out today, but if it is a straight black man, you can't even get them to speak at work unless you're trying to, you know, unless they're trying to take a shot at you sexually and and you, you know, you give in. But as far as the, the straight black men that I encounter during a work day, they don't even part their lips and speak. Mm. They They look at us and they treat us like we're beneath them. Lots of times. I don't know how it is in, in other professions, but I know in the social work world, that's how it feels a lot. And I'm just like, unless there's some type of outside of work sexual thing going on, they don't mm-hmm. want anything to do with black women at work. I I haven't personally seen it, but I can't speak for the black women in my profession. I haven't seen it. Um, they, the black men... it's always I've never seen the problem with black women it's always black man on black man always and I don't know what's so hard about wanting to see each other prosper see all of us prosper especially if we're doing it and you know what hey I can sit here and admit, yeah, I'm going to be a little bit harder on you because I want you to succeed. 
I don't want you to get to a position where I've worked with you and helped guide you and got you to that leadership mode. And now you thinking, well, I'm here. I ain't got to do nothing else. No. Come on, man. Let's continue to climb that ladder. Matter of fact, I want to see you as my boss. That's my mentality. All those people that I've mentored, all those people that I've helped put into leadership positions at my work at my workplace, I want to one day look up and they're my, they're my boss. That would be the proudest achievement for me, not me mentoring them from getting them up from, you know, being a regular whatever to being a leader now or, you know, no, I want my proudest achievement professionally would be to look up and I'm reporting to them. Now they know I'm still gonna run shit because that's the way. <laughs> oh, but that's that would be my proudest achievement for me as a black man is my young brothers and sisters. I'm looking up and I'm reporting to them. That's the type of difference I want to make. But this the senseless killings these senseless public lashings all those things we got to do better we got to listen i know this show was nowhere near what the hell we wanted to do today we had a game plan we were going to talk about some stuff i know last week i said uh, my wife was going to be on. She couldn't come on. John and um, Steph were going to talk about some stuff that we wanted to talk about last week. We didn't get to that. And I'm going to be honest with you. We ain't even going to get to the top 10 today. We're going to have to say that for another show, for the next show. That's just how heavy we got in here today. And I, and I didn't mean to turn it heavy. It's just so frustrating to see all these things and um, you know, it's sad to, when I asked John that question, I didn't ask him for my own amusement. I didn't ask him to prove a point. I actually was praying that he was going to tell me no. Although I've, you know, we've talked about some of the recent challenges, but I just, I I was just praying. He was going to tell me no. I mean, yes, yes, I do have some support. That's what I was praying. I got and, it on spade to spade. I can't sugarcoat it. It is what right. it was. So. so it's even more disheartening. So, I don't know. I mean, if y'all want to do top 10, we got 20 minutes to kill. We can do it. We can do it if y'all want to. I'm okay with that. I'm going to have to end the the show on such a downer, I guess, huh? I don't even know what to say. I don't know either. (laughs) Uh, If we go into the top 10, honestly, it's uh, we're just going to prolong things a little bit longer. As far as the show is concerned, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I, I I agree. We should probably shelve that till next week. 
Okay. I will say one positive thing. I was happy to see um, Salt and Pepper allowed <laughs> Spinderella to take part in their Hollywood Walk of Fame induction. Mm-hmm. Did they? Um, yes. Yeah. Did you see when Pepper like hug went to hug Spin and she gave her that little half hug back? <laughs> I didn't see that. I don't I blame her. Any hug, but I could tell. Just from body language, Spin did not want to be anywhere near them. Nope. Um, they took a picture because MC Light and somebody else was there uh, with them. And they had to, the, the photographer asked for them to get huddled in. And if you could, <laughs> if body expressions and languages could kill, Spin would have killed everybody there. Not because she was outwardly you know disgusted it was just like you could tell like lord i do not want to get into these women right and if you you all may be like well what's going on for some of you that don't know just just look it up we we don't have time to dive into all that but just look up how salt and pepper have done spinderella Mm -hmm. and it is a tragedy it's terrible especially for someone that want to call themselves such a so-called Christian like salt. Mm. Right. Wow. I'm looking at the photos right now. Mm-hmm. And she has that forced smile on every single mm-hmm. one of these photos. Spinderella. I'm talking Spinder- about. Yeah. 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 There is no salt and pepper without Spinderella. Okay. Hell, her verse was the best verse on. Uh, <laughs> what, what is a it? Man. Uh, what- yeah. yeah, and and let me tell you something. It was so crazy because Pepper offered her a hug. Man. Salt offered her nothing, so you could tell who the mastermind the behind that. Between Salt and Pepper, yeah. What happened? To- <laughs> I'm, what's, I'm just. <laughs> oh man, she does not want to be in contact with these people. No, she she might, they might as well be radioactive material. Can you blame her? Well, salt, salt wouldn't offer a hug. She, right? from the videos I saw, she did not offer. I haven't her the seen hug. the video. I'm just looking at these still photos. Salt, uh, she, Spin probably didn't want to near. Spin looks like she is a uh, a kidnapping victim mm. in each one of these, and they're putting on a front. And if you would speak to her, it's like, well, blink left or right if you're okay or not. Or blink twice if you're okay. Blink once if you're not type of deal. That's what it looks like to me. Pepper looked like she snorted a little something. Okay, enough for that. Mm. (laughs) 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 Well, you know, um, that's one shining light that I could bring because it's just been a gloomy, it's been a gloomy, gloomy. And I didn't want it. I didn't mean for the show to be gloomy too. not really gloomy, but just preachy or whatever. But, you know, with takeoff being since being murdered. By somebody in his own camp, allegedly. Yeah. Right. And then this whole thing with Kyrie and, 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 and it's just been, it's just so, it's just too much. And I don't know, you know, like John said, it's just like it's it's like an echo chamber. But, you know, maybe to reach somebody. I don't know. And it's just getting our frustrations out there. And especially for other people that are not black that listen to our show, for them to see, listen and hear and understand what we in real time as real people 
uh, speaking from the black male perspective, deal with. And, and, and I wanted to highlight black men because, again, it's always we want to lead. We want to be the head of the house. We want to be the head of the communities. But look at the example that we're setting forth. You know what I mean? Um, I'm looking for some black women to lead us because we just can't do it, brothers. I'm sorry. We just cannot do it. We can't do it. We won't do it. Now, for black women, we got to give y'all, at least when y'all leading us, give y'all about a week break, you know, when y'all get on y'all your time of the month because then y'all act erratic then. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ah, you know it couldn't be me on a show without me doing that to you still. <laughs> Listen. I, I'm not going to sit here and deny that we can be a bit <laughs> difficult during that time. Uh, a bit, huh? Wow. A bit, but I, you know, I wish every You know, for some could. reason, I can't hear stuff, but it's okay. You can't hear me? You can't hear stuff? Oh, wow. It is showing that stuff is offline. Can you hear me, um, Keith? I can. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I can hear stuff. This is, this is something, but that's okay. We're going to keep rolling. We're going to go ahead and end the show because that's just the Lord telling us to end the show. Yes. What I do want to say is that um, I want to thank you guys for supporting us. Listen, we have taken a little bit with getting back into the groove of things with our YouTube show. The content is set the way that we're going to do it. Um, great feedback that we're hearing from it. But, you know, we did a disservice to you all by not being consistent okay we let a birthday party we let a hurricane and life just get to us and 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 we weren't consistent so starting this week every week every thursday our youtube show will drop on thursday okay just like it had done in the past please come back to us please watch listen to us join in the youtube sh- channel is the same name the short desk podcast just, just search it if you're not subscribed to us. We're almost there at 100 subscribers. When we get to 100, we're going to have something special for you guys. So every Thursday, our YouTube show will be there. Every Friday is We Still Like Sports. That's Dwayne, John, Steph, and myself, Keith. We're doing that every Friday. Please listen. We talk about not just sports, but every single thing. It's a very good show. Don't sit there and say, well, I don't really like sports like that. No, trust me. You listen to our show. I have one young lady reach out to me. She does her podcast, her stuff, Mama Life Plus Four. She told me, she said, listen, I don't even like sports like that, but y'all got me listening to y'all on Fridays. And so please take the time to listen to us um, on Fridays with our sports podcast, Thursdays, our YouTube show, um, and of course with uh, the OG show which you're listening to today on Tuesday or after just support us any way you can. Uh, the YouTube show that's coming up, we're going to be trying a little Yachty pizza. Every one of us have our different flavors. And so we want to discuss, you know, that pizza and what we thought about it and a couple other things as well. Steph would do the uh, city that's supporting us, but because we're not sure if she'll be heard because it's showing that she's offline <laughs> on our device. We're not going to get through that. I so we just going to, and it's showing me on my end. It says John isn't even up here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 all crazy. So we're just gonna go ahead and end this show. Hopefully, y'all, you know, we had to air out some stuff. 
you know, we have our fun times, we have our serious times, and a lot of times it's mixed in between. This was more of a serious show. We hope that y'all continue to hang in there with us, even with us just having an all-serious show. We are the Short Disc Podcast. Holla at your girl and your boys. Good morning. Are you prepared for Jehovah's return? Because if you not, I got a pair for here that well, fuck you, <laughs> half-dead motherfucker. Come on, sister. Come on, sister.